Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everybody, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chris, and we are in the book of James. We finished Philippians yesterday. We're going into James. We are into James. And you you say James is one of your favorite books. Uh, James makes my life easy. He just tells me exactly what to do. There's there's not much gray area with James. <laughs> it is. There's a lot of direct statements. There's a lot of direct statements. That works well for me. Uh, in fact, uh, I mean, James is a little bit of a different kind of a book of the Bible. Uh, some people actually consider it wisdom literature, uh, like Proverbs. Uh, I've heard it called the Proverbs in the mm-hmm. New Testament, actually, yeah. Because uh, it's not so much structured like a logical argument mm-hmm. or a personal letter. It's just, it's a lot of wisdom. It's a lot of good advice, good commands. Uh, in many ways, you can actually kind of trace a lot of themes. Mm-hmm. Kind of, what does the book of James say about the tongue? What does it say about wisdom? What does it say about all these different topics? So we're we're in a slightly different format here of James, and that's probably another reason why James makes a lot of refrigerators. Yes. Or bathroom mirrors or coffee mugs, Make as we mirrors. have said. Yeah, yes. there you go. All right. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it, there's a lot of stuff to apply in here. Uh, so, the fact that we even have a book of James is a proof for uh, the deity of Christ, which is kind of interesting. Deity of Christ meaning that, like, we it's, – it's a way that we can say we know that Jesus is God because James is Jesus' brother. Um, initially, he was not super into Jesus or his ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen that some in the Gospels. And anybody that has a sibling probably understands a little bit of this argument in that if you have a brother or sister, most likely you're not willing to write a letter and proclaim that your brother or sister is God yes. and everyone should worship them as God and then send that letter to the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that James did this very, very close to the life of Christ, actually, this is not this is not a piece of literature that's far removed from Jesus. Uh, so the fact that James is willing to write a letter to churches, I think in Jerusalem? Like he becomes like a leader in the church in Jerusalem. Yes. And then this obviously, it's a, as it says in the beginning, this is written generally to Jewish believers. Yeah. Um, so Jews who have put their faith in Christ who are scattered throughout kind of the the known world at this time. So it's not a, written to a town or a city. It's just written to yeah. Jewish believers. So if you're a person who wrestles with like, man, how can I prove that like Jesus really is who he says he is? James, the book of James is one way that we can do that because it's Jesus' brother who writes it. Um Let's dig yeah. into what it says, huh? Yeah, and I think it is important for us to point out that this is written to people who already are saved. Yeah, yeah. Um, because there are some verses in James that have caused a little bit of controversy through the years because it seems like it's saying something different than what Paul was saying or um, sometimes even like like almost word for word. And so it it's really important to see he's dealing with people who have already received salvation. They have already put their faith in Christ through grace, through faith. They have been declared righteous, and now he's kind of saying, like, hey, get off your backsides, like, put action to your faith, do something with this. Like, this is a very action-oriented book. That's why I like it. Yep. It it fits your personality. (laughs) Let's stop talking about it. Let's do Uh, it, right? Martin Luther hated this book. Martin Luther spent a lot of time. He's a reformer. This is your nerd extra credit. He's a reformer who wanted a lot of people to understand grace and not works. Um, and he actually wanted this removed from the Bible completely. Yeah, and it, this was a book that there was a little bit more discussion on would it make the canon yeah. or not uh, because of some of those things. But th- that's why I actually think it's important that we see, hey, this is dealing primarily with the topic of sanctification more than it is 
salvation. And when you look at it that way, then it does fit the unity of the rest of the teaching of Scripture. This is not saying something different. That's that's important because sometimes one of the ways that people get turned off of the Bible is they just think there's all these contradictions in it. This is not one of them. So one of my favorite verses in the book of James, it's, it's I don't know if it's a coffee cup one or not, but it's uh, James 1, 20. And the way that I remember is the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I love this because there's oftentimes in, in ministry situations, particularly difficult ministry situations, particularly student ministry situations. Uh-huh. <laughs> there we go, hitting home. <laughs> We're typically led to believe like, hey, if you just get mad enough, somebody <laughs> somebody will finally listen. And James is pretty clear that like actually the amount of anger that you're willing to have is in no way connected to the amount of righteousness that God is willing to bring. Uh, so when I, particularly when I worked in camp ministry with like really tough kids, uh, this verse was on my footlocker in my tent. Okay. I was like, okay, I got to remember so this. Like, like the Jesus style of leadership versus the drill sergeant style of leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Actually mm. it's just like, Hey, you know what? You can be really ticked off all day long. It's actually not going to bring about God's love. And it's, it's a, it, that is a tough thing to internalize and put into practice when you're surrounded by really difficult situations. All right. Another verse that stood out to me is in chapter three. Um, There's a lot of talk about the tongue and uh, talking about the tongue says, sometimes we praise the Lord and sometimes we curse those who have been made in the image of God. Um, And man, that's a convicting. It's kind of timely. Yeah. I mean, where it's easy to talk about everybody you disagree with and then walk in the church and raise your hands and sing songs to God. Um, but it, it's challenging. Like, how do we talk about people we disagree with? Um, how do we talk about Christians we disagree with? Exactly. And, yeah. You know, uh, we need, there's got to be w- ways to disagree and do it in an honorable way. And I think yeah. that's what, uh, this is after, like, if our tongue just blazes like wildfire, we're going to hurt people. We're going to wound people. Um, that we need to consider people are valuable even if we disagree with them, we can't dehumanize them. I mean, imagine if uh, social media would just take that verse uh, and we could disagree, but not dehumanize. Wouldn't that be nice? Political campaigns, you know, you name it. Wouldn't that be amazing? Uh, one of like another thing that's pretty cool in this book is talking about uh, true religion is care for widows and orphans mm. and their affliction. Um, one of the reasons I like that is because here we have James, this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus now, focusing a lot on what the Old Testament has already said multiple times. Like God has a super spot, soft spot in his heart for widows and orphans. And so one of the best things that we can do as Christians is ensure that we're caring for people in those groups uh, because that's what God is concerned in some kind of special way. And I've, I've actually seen that play out in super realistic scenarios where I'm dealing with uh, a lot of times I cross paths with people who may not have all their parents. And a lot of times those are the people that see God act in such real and tangible ways. It's really, it's really mm-hmm. cool. Um, so I, I can affirm like that God's and heart is there. That makes a lot of sense too. speaking to a Jewish audience. Yeah. That he's able to say, Hey, now you're believers. That doesn't mean you throw everything out that was in the law that was in the old Testament. You're not measured by your perfect obedience mm-hmm. to that anymore because this you're righteous by faith. But there's so much in there that we should still be doing. Mm-hmm. We should. This is the action that we should put it, whether it's caring for widows and orphans, whether it's practicing the Sabbath, uh, all these things that actually now can be renewed through Christ and done for the right reasons, not in order to earn something. It's good stuff. Yeah. James is good. Super direct. There's More tomorrow. The reason we don't have a lot to say is because James already pretty much said it straightforward. 
Just read the, read the text again. <laughs> it is a good one to read. It is. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow with the second half of James, then we'll be digging into 1 Timothy as well. So we'll see you then. Bye. James 1, starting verse 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls, and the beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights of the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over here or sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich you oppress and you drag into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. 
For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing, what good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happens happened just as the scripture said. Abraham believed God, and God counted it him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so faith is dead without good works. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control every, ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn whenever the pilot choo- wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that come from wisdom. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom that is above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at times, and willing to yield to others. It is a f- it is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM or you could actually email us at podcasts at worshipcenter.org. 
You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.